0: You're listening to the Jesus Habit Podcast, where we use scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. You're listening to episode 104 for Wednesday, March 3rd, 2020. You may recall, we live out in the country. I shared last week how we can see so many stars in the sky on a clear night, and when you drive to our house, you actually climb up Green Mountain until it levels out at about a thousand feet in elevation. It's not huge, but it is still technically a mountain. Well, after it levels out, you're, you're actually on the side of the mountain where you can see out towards Vancouver and Portland. Even though we're out in the country, the sky to the south of our house has an orange glow that seems to be getting brighter. It's harder to see stars in that part of the sky, but when you look straight up or if you look to the north, you can find the north star and see the Big Dipper and start to get your bearings. During this Lent season, we're talking about becoming love. The problem we are facing is one of light pollution. The light of God's love is being polluted by the many lights of this world. We have a hard time seeing God because we can't see beyond the right now. We can't see God for all the lights in our faces they're smaller far less significant but because of our proximity to their glow we well we can't see the bigger light of god it's there it's the light of god is always there for us if we choose to see it but but we have to start to minimize the glare from the other lights first becoming love requires that we have the right heading Simply because a light is brighter to us because of its proximity to our location does not mean that we should allow that light to be our guide. Now, If you and I are outside at night, for example, I can shine a tactical flashlight in your face and tell you to follow it, to walk towards the light. And you'll be so blinded by the light of my flashlight that you have no idea what's in front of you. Because you can't see past the light of my flashlight I'm shining in your face, I could easily lead you into a trap. And that's exactly what's been happening to mankind for thousands of years. And that, well, that's what's happening to us in our society right now at an alarming rate. We're following all these flashlights that are getting pointed in our faces without giving any consideration to the source of the light. Which leads us to the question we're asking today. What love are we becoming? Becoming love is a great goal, but, but what love? More specifically, whose love? We said earlier this week that God's love empties itself, sacrifices itself, and gives freely of itself. That's the love of God. If we are to become love, that must be what we become. And, and I think we know that as followers of Jesus Christ. I think we know that and even agree with that intellectually. But practically speaking, for some reason, many of us in Christianity aren't becoming like that. In fact, well, we seem to be becoming something quite different. The love of the world is all about me. The love of the world says we need to get what we deserve. We have every right to, to be happy and to, to do whatever it takes for us to be happy. We, we are well within our rights to, to reshape our identities, our truth, and even reality itself in the pursuit of this happiness. It doesn't matter if our pursuit of happiness has a negative effect on someone or something else. We, we are entitled to that pursuit. It doesn't matter if our pursuit of happiness has a destructive effect on the environment. I deserve to be happy. Negative effect on the people in my life? Doesn't matter. I deserve to be happy. Negative effect on the community, my coworkers, society at large, so on and so forth. None of that matters because I deserve to be happy. This is the love of the world. Happiness is good when it's the byproduct of truth. But when happiness becomes our sole pursuit, it can have a devastating effect. It's a a very similar thing that happens with narcotics. We want the feeling, or, or we want to escape a feeling, so we're willing to do something wrong to get that feeling. Eventually, the pursuit of that feeling becomes the most important thing to many who struggle with addiction oftentimes ending with taking advantage of the people closest to us, the places and things around us in pursuit of that next high. Well, we're all kind of doing the same thing with happiness. That's because the feeling of happiness is a feeling that is fleeting. The feeling of happiness is actually a chemical reaction in our brains that God created for specific purposes. One of those primary reasons is to get us to get past all the junk that might keep us from forming deep relationships with one another. Sometimes we need an assist to get us outside ourselves. These feelings of happiness and new relationships can last for six weeks all the way up to 18 months. But then something happens. We fall out of love. Well, not really, but, but that's what it feels like. We, we lose that loving feeling, you know. What do we do in these moments? What do we do in these moments? Well, what we do in these moments tells us who we really are. Do we get a deeper level of intimacy with a person, the organization, the community, and so forth? Or, or do we move on to something new and shiny so we can get that feeling back? Our world tells us to move on, you know, go find what you're looking for. You deserve it. You work hard. You have every right to seek it out. But what does that tell us about us? It tells us that we're seeking the feeling. And while most people would say this isn't true of them, it tells us that we are actually using people, places, and things to get that feeling for ourselves. I mean, you can see this in so many ways in our world. For example, look at the rise of the dating app Tinder. I've never used it myself, but people are using people to get a fix. Look at the rise in vacations, camping trips, beach trips, Disneyland trips, and so forth. We we like the feeling going somewhere new gives us, and so we go. Well, look at the throwaway society we live in. We. We used to buy good products and fix them when they broke, but now we throw them away and buy something new because we like the feeling of getting new things. We're using people, places, and things to get that feeling for ourselves. This is the world's love. It uses people, places, and things to get our own needs met. This is the love that is being portrayed on and off the screen. It's the love being modeled to us by our celebrity leaders and our politicians. We, we can't work together for the common good anymore because we're only looking out for our own side and our own interests. Right now, the Congress in Oregon is at a complete standstill over a cap-and-trade bill. The Democratic Party wants to pass it, and, and they have the votes to do so. The Republican Party does not want it to pass, and their only move is to leave the state so a vote can't take place. And they did the same thing last year. Similar situations happen in the national government and in other states all the time. We, we aren't able to see beyond our own ideas and paths to happiness. The only solution is for people to bend to our will or get out of the way so we can find someone who will. This is not love. This is the pride of life. Oh, oh and, and, it's, and it's not just people outside the faith who do it. We're guilty of it as Christians, too. I mean, I'm guilty of doing this as a pastor. That's one of the big mistakes I made early on in my role here as the lead pastor. I made decisions for the church based on what was best for my family. That's not love. That's selfish. And I've since tried to change that, but I'd be lying if there still haven't been times when I'm prompted to lead a certain way because it's easier or more beneficial for me. This isn't love. What is love then? Well, we've already read these verses, but they're important to repeat. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And then, In the next chapter, 1 John 4 verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. But one definition we haven't read yet is Paul's definition in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You've undoubtedly heard it read at weddings, as it should be. But that wasn't Paul's intent when he wrote that chapter. His intent was for this to be the kind of love the body of Christ had amongst itself. Just go read 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 to get the picture. Chapter 12, Paul is talking about the body. Chapter 14, Paul is talking about The body and the worship service in chapter 13 is right there in the middle. 1 Corinthians 13 If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Miraculous signs and, and even incredible selfless acts are not love. What is love? Well, love is patient and kind. It does not envy. Love doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It isn't self-seeking. It isn't easily angered. It doesn't dishonor others. It keeps no record of wrongs. does not delight in evil. Remember that list from yesterday in Galatians chapter 5? But it rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The miraculous signs are temporary, but love is forever. The right now isn't perfect. We are living in the not yet, the struggles, challenges, doubts, fears, pain, and suffering, and all of that of right now, it's only temporary. We are broken people living in a broken world. God has given us those miraculous things so that we could see that there is a not yet. There is something beyond the here and now. And as great as those things are, they they are only pointing To the true reality we were all created for, love. One day we will know fully and be fully known. None of the stuff that makes love difficult will be there anymore. And the thing that ties that eternal reality into today is love. Unconditional, unselfish, sacrificial, giving, patient, enduring. www.thejesushabit.com